What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. It was our Monday all sports but football edition. Let off with Tiger today. Tiger is 100,000% back. Uh, we talked about the recent tournament over the past year with him as well. Then we look forward to next year and even earlier into the Ryder Cup that is being played in France within the next couple weeks. Next was on to college football. Of course, we talked about Sean's Alabama. Went around the other marquee matchups from last week. And then we talked about a couple matchups that we thought were pretty interesting for the future week. Um, then we moved on to baseball. It's been really interesting the past couple weeks. We talked about Yankees, including the D.D. Gregorius injury, and gave a couple updates on that. Went around the league, talked about some potential wild cards in the NL because that is still a huge race. And then finally, we did some NBA talk because this Jimmy Butler thing is really starting to heat up. Expect him to be traded before the start of the season, probably within the next week or two weeks. So give us a follow on Twitter at Sorry Sports, Instagram at Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the website and check out Sean's article from a few weeks ago about the two New York rookies that are playing right now. And always rate and subscribe. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Have a good night and enjoy. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Sorry to Interrupt. It is Monday, the 25th day of September. 24th. 24th, whatever. Tom, what's going on, man? We are back and Tiger's back. Dude. (laughs) So we are leading with golf today, which is awesome um, because... That was the story of the weekend. There was a lot of football. There was a lot of baseball. There was a lot of college football. But when Tiger wins, Tiger dominates. He's front headline on CNN. He's front headline on everything. Wow, what a performance. That was vintage Tiger, man. Yeah, I think he was going in like minus 11 into Sunday and throwing the Sunday red and just... You know, it would. I think it was um, either the U.S. or the British Open or something like that. He was leading, and he and he gave it up on the eleventh hole on the last day. And this time, it just felt different. It, it really felt like he was going to win it. And he walked away with like two two plus million bucks. And I mean, he's this is a perfect time because going into the Ryder Cup, looking at the golf schedule next year, if he can keep this going, it's really interesting. And you can start talking about majors even too. That's the big question. So he won his 80th tour um, event, which is now he is two behind the all-time lead of 82. And that was something that golf fans have been clamoring for for a long time. It's been since 2013 when he ended up uh, taking first place in a tournament. What was impressive about this is I know it wasn't a major, but in the FedEx Cup, you're playing against the 30 best players yeah. in the world. Obviously, Justin Rose was able to win it. He, he walked away $10 with a $10 million uh, check. Good for him. But he that was in danger because Tiger was charging, and I think if they played two more holes, Tiger would have ended up taking it. But to do that against the best players of 2018 – and he got that swagger back, man. Did yep. you see him approaching 18 with just the pantheon of people oh, following him? And he had the biggest like smile on his face, and mm-hmm. he knew. He, he was ready. He was feeling good. The back didn't lock up at all during this tournament. Remember, he was leading the Open Championship on Sunday before he bogeyed 13 and it all went to hell. So for him to kind of overstep that hurdle and finish strong against the best competition that 2018 had to offer. That was so exciting. I mean, he yep. captivates that sport like nobody has before. And 
it's amazing. You know, he, for all his transgressions and everything that he had going on over the last 10 years, really the amount of support he has, because that sport is just, it's good anyway, but when he's on and he's throwing his hat into the ring, it's as good as it gets. Yeah. His sponsors are definitely going to go up in a heartbeat and, you know, it's going to be really interesting. And and you made a good point. I mean, he was playing against the best players in golf. That's what the FedEx Cup is. It's like a point system and then you win the championship, kind of like the BCS with a lot more players involved. But, I mean, and the competition in 2018 in golf is a lot better than the competition was when he was killing golf back in 2005 through 2011. I mean, Dustin Johnson, you know, Rory... All these guys, Ricky Fowler, Rose, Kepka's won two majors this year. I mean, uh, all the way up and down the top 30, that all those guys are much better than the competition he faced back in the day when he would just kill everyone like it wouldn't even be close. He won everything. And it's really interesting to see. And going forward, I mean, you got the Ryder Cup in Paris coming up. I'm really excited to see that one. And then. Just going right into next year, you know, you have an amazing April through July of golf and the way these these majors are set up, you know, I mean, even the the Open is in, in Ireland this year and supposedly well, Tiger was playing there. Well, did so. you see where the two other U.S. tournaments are? Where? So the U.S. Open this year is going to be at Bethpage in New York, uh, and that's where he has had a lot of success. And then he's going out to Pebble Beach for the PGA. And Tiger and, and yeah, Tiger and Pebble Beach is about a dream situation for a golf fan because of all the success he's had there. I mean, he shot some of his best rounds ever uh, out there in Pebble Beach, and I think it's it's hard not to be excited, right? I mean, like it was funny. I was talking to a friend yesterday, and we were discussing, and I was like, "Oh, check the golf. How's Tiger doing?" Friends like, "You don't care about golf." I was like. But it's Tiger. Yeah. It's something different, you know. Like he transcends golf, and I definitely, you know, like you and I, you play it. You know, I, I don't. Um, but the appreciation we have for the level of talent that's distributed across the platform, like you mentioned, you know, this is not 2006, 2007 when it was really kind of Phil and Tiger, Phil and Sergio, and that's yeah, it. and Sergio. We knew never could close, uh, and you had a couple guys like in their senior, right before they hit the senior tour, that were playing. But now with these young guys who just hit the ball a mile, I mean, yeah. what Kepka's done, Justin Rose, you know, finishes first, yeah, and and Fowler, and and on down the line, Rory, and you could kind of see yesterday, you know, you got to remember, Tiger was golf, and the reason why these guys got into golf, yeah, and you could Everybody just see the so look punk. Rory was playing with him yesterday, and Rory shot like a 73, 74 as well. He was just fired up to be out there with him. Well, that was exactly, man. You took the words right out of my mouth. Like you could see him just his eyes lighting up, like not even caring that he was there, that he was playing against him. Just oh my god, I'm witnessing my hero yep. win again. It's almost like you know when in Kobe's last few years when a Carl Anthony Towns came in or something like that. Like you're playing on the same court as the guy who probably got you into battle basketball it's for any sport comparison I mean that's got to just be an amazing feeling for them yeah absolutely I mean it's going to be really exciting to look ahead you know the Ryder Cup's right here which is you know it's it's going to be a zoo it's going to be so exciting Um, do you think he has what it takes to to hold up and and take another major or two I mean he's he's gonna be I do I think he's gonna have good odds on his side I think now that he's fully healthy it was more of a mental thing 
And I think this win with being it in the FedEx Cup playing against the best players in the world, I think that got him over the hump, and he's back. I hope so. If you could see him going to 18 on Sunday in Augusta next year, oh, my God, what a dream for sports fans and just anybody, you know. So, yeah, 2019 is going to be a lot more interesting uh, after Tiger winning the last really, I know this isn't a major, but the last big championship that the PGA had to offer. We'll see what he can do in the Ryder Cup, but either way, Regardless of what he does, this is how people are going to remember his 2018 season. And, and it's yep. much better than it's been in really 10 years, right? I mean, think of all the personal stuff he went through. I mean, even last year, you know, he had that, you know, driving while intoxicated. It was, you know, the painkillers. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he's, he's wondering. Yeah, he's lucky to be alive. Yeah, to be alive. You're much wondering. if killing it. Right. And, like, is he ever going to get back? And it's different for him because it, it's a personal sport, right? So you're not rooting for a team. You don't really care about a performance from you know how he's going to affect other guys it's it's simply him and it doesn't matter what he's done you know personally that's on him you know we're we're not yeah. here nobody I'm not rooting for i mean t- nobody here is you know he's on a made moral a lot ground of, he's made a lot of mistakes in his life and you know but you said it he he changed golf in early in his earlier years and he's just continued to do that and people have just been clamoring and begging for him to be back golf was like even with these great players like a dustin johnson who i really like tony fanu who's like my favorite golf player and rory and ricky and they all don't these pull other guys. in the casual no, fan no not at all and that's you know when sports center leads with him and that's all they're talking about on talk radio and we're leading the show when we've never talked a single second of golf before it's People were begging for this. They they would do anything to have Tiger back, and it's it's great to have him winning. I mean, I'm glad he got over all those humps. He stole Sunday from the NFL, which is almost impossible to do. Yeah, and I hope you know. Hopefully, he's a better man, and he seems to be you know in good health. So I wish him the best. Me too. I mean, just for you know, I'd love to. I'd love to talk next year. You know, in the springtime, and and see him winning a major and getting back into that. I don't know how many more he has in him. Because if he wins one, then the conversation is going to come up is can he break the record? Of course. And I think all he needs to do is just hit that one, right? Like just cross that threshold again for the first time in in 10 years and be like, oh my God, okay, he really is back. Because even though this was a great win, I think people still want to be like, okay, that was great. Maybe the competition was tired from having a full year and especially guys winning. Okay, well, you know, you go into the springtime where the season's still relatively young as far as majors are concerned. Okay, is, is he holding up with everybody yep. else while they're feeling fresh too? You, you saw this coming all season where Tiger Tiger would be in the mix and he'd be coming back. His issue was, was that in the first couple rounds he would coast, which was smart, and he didn't play as many tournaments this year. But his big issue is that he was off the tee. He was not driving the ball as well. He was not hitting fairways nearly as consistency as you need to to win. Especially in this in this last tournament, he was blasting the ball off the tee and he was hitting every single fairway. And Tiger when he plays, uh, you know, when he's playing close to the hole, there's nobody better. There is literally nobody better. As long as he can get himself in a good position, there's not a single player ever better than Tiger Woods at hitting the wedges and then hitting the, and then putting. So yeah, and you know and he's you had saw putting it. at different times this year too, where his putting was prolific, but the rest of his game as to well, what you mentioned wasn't for, there. Yeah, when you're putting for par because you didn't hit the fairway, or you're putting for a bogey, it doesn't matter. But when you you saw it on the last hole, and and we'll wrap this up after this. 
just as the last hole was a perfect example. He went up there and he blasted it off the tee. And those 10 billion people that were sitting out there were going fucking nuts. The ratings that NBC and, had to go for. Imagine that into Sunday Night Football. And they were commercial football. free, too. Yes, I mean, which was Jesus. great. What a plug for them. I mean, that was brilliant because you get to see those walks. I think it was Coca-Cola and somebody else sponsored it. And, I mean, they couldn't have wished for a better thing than to have commercial free during Tiger about to win a tournament for the first time since 2013. Completely commercial free. It was incredible. Amazing. So definitely got to give that story its due. That is number one on all sports news from the weekend. We are going to transition next into college football. Um, we had circled some games we'll prior with, to, you know, your Alabama. Yeah. So we, we had circled a couple games. We knew this slate this past weekend wasn't amazing, um, but there ended up being some other games that caught my eye. We have them on our notes and we can get you know, both of our reactions to them. I, I, so Alabama took care of Texas A&M 45, 23. I tell I, you that game really was close for a while. Yeah, A&M until well. Alabama had a couple good picks. The A&M quarterback made some bad throws, but they looked really good in the first half against Alabama's defense. They were moving the ball really, really well. Um, and I think I said this game on the, on the Monday pod was a stay away. The spread was 21 and a half. Of course, Alabama covers with a 22, but, I mean, I still would have stayed away from it. That's too close. That, yeah, absolutely. And I'm shocked that they, they actually could put up that many points against Alabama. I will tell you this. I was impressed with the poise that Mond and also Jimbo Fisher had because they could not have started that game any worse. So A&M gets the ball to start. He gets sacked, and then he throws an interception, and then they score a touchdown literally on the next play. It was a, The pass from Tua was replicable to That's the Alabama national does. championship game winner um, that beat Georgia. It was like within 50 seconds, it was they forced a turnover and scored a touchdown on offense. And, you know, the, the fans down in Tuscaloosa were going absolutely apeshit. And I thought right there, I was like, this is going to be another laugher. This is going to be Ole Miss all over again from the mm-hmm. week before. And it wasn't. And A&M got right back to their credit. They kept the, they kept the game as close as they could for a while before Alabama's talent just won, uh, just, you know, took over. But yep. I give them, I give them credit. Jimbo Fisher's doing a good job down there. He doesn't have all his players yet. And once he really puts his footprint on that, on that program, I, I think they're going to be a real challenger in the SEC West for a while. Oh yeah, I mean the the epitome of Alabama was on basically three three plays. The Alabama uh, the Alabama safety or cornerback makes a fingertip pick, then they come down forty yard run, then they run a, a design run where it was a fake to the running back. The wide receiver comes around. In the NFL, you pro- or any other college football team, you probably get maybe 15 yards in a first down, and of course the guy takes it to the house. And that's what Alabama does. They they make three plays in a row. They smack you in the mouth, seven points, and then they go back out there and they do it again. And that's why Alabama is so great. The talent is just so much better than anybody else. And it's crazy because obviously over the last, you know, since Saban really got started there, they've had about as good of talent top to bottom and, and recycling every year as any team has. But what's crazy now is they actually have that prolific quarterback, which they've never really had with the side of uh, McCarron's last year. And even then, they didn't open up the offense nearly as much as they do now. And knowing that you have the capability to score 50 basically against anybody in addition to that defense growing into themselves. We talked last week about how their defense is a little more vulnerable, even though it's five stars all over the place. They're starting to get better, and you can see that Saban's really starting to lay into them. Oh, yeah. So 
So that's enough about that game. 45-23, Alabama doesn't have any really anybody this week. They have Louisiana Lafayette, and then they get really into oh, a t- so a sixty to nothing game. A sixty to nothing by the second quarter. Um, <laughs> then we're gonna go into number six Oklahoma, and boy, they survived at home in overtime against Army. Kyler Murray, man, that was not an easy game for him. No, he had a really good. He had one really good play that could be a signature Heisman play if he improves a little bit where he just ran circles around army but you know it was definitely a little too close for comfort thank god they pulled it out for their sake absolutely i mean that was a game that i was looking at. i'm like there's no fucking way they're gonna lose this game they're gonna pull away and shit they did not just pull away they almost lost so good for them i mean that's a that's a tough game my army gave them everything that they possibly that could have taken not a typical big 12 game you know no. army does not throw the ball that's a run 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 punt kind of team and they kept it close they owned the clock in that game yeah. i think it was like three to one ratio as far as uh, time of possession was concerned um we're gonna go on down next to another big 12 matchup this was tom herman leading texas which is now within the top 20 beating tcu who's TCU, out who yeah so tcu had a tough game against ohio state the week before we detailed that game. I thought they played pretty well. Just, you know, the war of attrition as the game went on. They just didn't have enough to hang with Ohio State. This was a game in Austin. Now, they had run, they had kind of, you know, run that high from beating up USC the week yep. before in a game that we kind of laughed at. If this was 2005, that would have been a lot of fun. Tigers back. Is Texas back? <laughs> Shit, man. Just turn the clock back 12 years, right? I mean, I don't know if they're back. I'm not ready to proclaim that, but... That was a big win, and Tom Herman seems like he is the right guy for that program. Yeah, they finally, finally found the guy, I think, and he's only going to get better as he continues to develop the program and bring in the players that he wants. Texas has to be great. I mean, maybe, right? You said Tiger for golf to be great, even with the competition. I think college football fans are tired of Alabama. I think they're tired of the SEC, and I think they're also tired of Ohio State. They want another one of those top programs who has a national following, a championship pedigree to come back to life. I don't know if Texas is going to do it, but they have their fan base excited for the first time in a while. Yeah, it was a fun game, and, and I think Texas will stick around. I don't think they're going to make it to the to the college football playoff, but they're building something down there, and I think they're going to be a good team for, for a long time to come, and they definitely got the right coach finally. I, I definitely think that too. It's about time. So so good for them. Um, you know, the Charlie Strong era was very short. Looks like the Tom Herman era is going to go on for a while. I'm going to go now into the SEC East, which aside from Georgia, as you know, that I've kind of made of, made fun of. But out of nowhere, I have to remember it's college football season when I see the ranking. Kentucky is in the top 17, and they just beat up on a Mississippi State team that I know has their problems. They're not great, especially outside of Starkville. But wow, Kentucky seems for real, man. I mean, they beat Florida. I think they, you know, Florida's down. We know that. But they went into Gainesville where they hadn't won since 86 and beat them. And it seems like they're playing a brand of football that nobody saw coming. I certainly didn't. Yeah, every once in a while you see these basketball schools make a little bit of noise in football. I mean, you saw it a few years ago. I think Duke went to a Rose Bowl or something close they to it. They played in the uh, the ACC championship two years in a row. Yep, and you know, even Syracuse is making a little bit of noise this year in the ACC. So They knocked off Clemson last year, have Clemson again this week, so who knows? Yep, Syracuse already beat Florida State this year, and they beat a couple other teams. So 
I mean, it, it is interesting to see these college basketball schools on the other side with uh, with football. I mean, you know, Kentucky's produced a few NFL players, but I don't think I've ever seen them in the top 25. No. It, it, and Kansas, I, too, is not playing so bad. No, especially in a Big 12, that seems like it's just waiting. It's, it's there for the taking. Um Especially if Oklahoma is as vulnerable as they showed against Army, but well, Oklahoma is going to come out and win by thirty next game. You so. would think so, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was pretty impressive. So Kentucky moves on. I think they're probably that second team now in the SEC East. I don't think they're a real challenge to Georgia, but you never know. Um, moving on to the Pac-12 matchup, that was the game of the week. Thank um, God I was right about this one. Did you get this one right? Yes, I did. Because that you must have been shitting your pants for a while because I was. Oregon was, was winning one. early, big early. Yeah, I, I I really believe that they're the second best team in the Pac-12, and I think I said that on the last pod, and I was really nervous. Thank God their running game took over, and they they were able to, you know, hold off Oregon. Man, that was a close one out there. Bryce Love. I mean, they like. I think we discussed this last week. You know, that's a that's a Big Ten team that plays in the Pac-12. They are a ground and pound, control defense. the clock, defense, running game. Bryce Love is really good. I know a lot of people wanted him to be in the Heisman conversation this year. He still might. That was a great come-from-behind win. I did not think they were going to be able to do it. Oregon's good. Oregon's a good program. I think they're kind of coming back from that Chip Kelly era, and, and they're trying to reestablish themselves out mm-hmm. there and out west, but... That was a great game. Uh, Stanford came back, took it in overtime. Good for them. Um, we're going to stay in the Pac-12, and then we'll move on to one last game. Uh, Washington survived at home against Arizona State. This is just a weird conference. It's like every week, you know, I, I, Arizona State is basically competitive in every single game. And, and yeah. they don't. They may not win because they, they don't have the fight. talent they have, a, they have a head coach that's going to always, always be pull out the best of his players and they're always going to fight they're not going to be as talented and Herm Edwards may not be a great you know offensive draw up a play kind of guy but he's he's a very good motivator and he's always going to get them to fight yeah and they were home so um so you know they take a seven they win a a seven point game Washington's at 11 in the country they're going to move up probably after some of these games this week I don't know, man. I, I I still think they're the cream of the crop out there, but they have not been super impressive to me yet. They, they've had some games that they easily could have lost. Yeah, this being one of them. The Pac-12, I don't think it's I don't think it's very good. I don't think it's one of the better conferences this year, especially with UCLA with Chip Kelly still rebuilding and USC recovering from losing a lot of players, including Sam Darnold, who's the greatest quarterback of all time, and the second coming of Jesus Christ himself. So the one and two, Sam Darnold. That's the Jets' fault. That's not <laughs> Sam's fault. All right, but we'll talk Wednesday. about that on Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, so you can't, you just cannot help yourself, can you? <laughs> I can't. So I mean, I just think it's a weaker league this year, and I, I think that Washington's going to end up coming away with it, unless Stanford can get a little bit more of a passing game. They're super ground and pound, like you said, but you know, a team that you can compare them to in the Big Ten, I guess you would say, is the classic Wisconsin. But you know what? Wisconsin had some good quarterback play last year when they made that run, and you need it. You need some semblance of a quarterback to, you know, somebody either needs to be developed or they're they're going to end up finishing second. Yeah, they don't have Andrew Luck out there, and that was a perfect segue on your part because the last game we're going to discuss is number 15, Wisconsin, getting back on track. They went into Iowa at night, which is, as you've heard me say, not an easy task. Ask Ohio State, ask Penn State, um, but they did win 28-17. 
nothing super sexy about that game. Uh, we didn't mention it last week, but they needed to get their heads back in and, and back in the game and and reestablish some momentum in the in the uh, in the Big Ten. And they did just that, winning a game that's not easy. I know Iowa's nothing to you know be that excited about, but they're also nothing to sneeze at, especially in that environment. Give Wisconsin credit, good coaching. Rebound from that tough loss at home to BYU. Say, turn the page. There's nothing we can do about it. Let's move on. And and they took care of business, uh, winning by 11, which is what they were supposed to do. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't why don't we look ahead to next week and we'll start off with our first marquee matchup, which is West Virginia at Texas Tech. That's two top 25 teams. Texas Tech is just barely in there at number 20, 25. Um, how do you feel about that one? Well, Greer they're going to give every opportunity to win the Heisman for him because they are running up points in a big way. Remember, he's the transfer from Florida who got busted for PEDs. He found himself at West Virginia, and Jesus Christ, do they score points. And, yeah, but and we don't know take, that. But Don't take anything away from, from the Texas Tech quarterback because he's going to break all of Patrick Mahomes' records. And if there's one thing that Kingsbury does at Texas Tech, it's develop. He's pretty much like Mike Leach at Washington State. Um, former Texas Tech coach. Former, yeah, exactly. Um, they develop quarterbacks to sling the ball around, and they are a throw-heavy offense. And Texas Tech seems like they've always been a throw-heavy offense, going back to the Michael Crabtree days as well. And, you know, that's going to be like a 56-51 game, I think. Oh, yeah, no. I would West, pound the over on that one. 100%, because West Virginia scores in bunches too. I mean, that is a typical Big 12 game. I think that they really want to get Greer the Heisman. This So far, it doesn't seem like there's anybody that's really going to jump out at you for that Heisman trophy yet. You know, usually you have somebody in week one or two where you're like, okay. I think Tua might be the one that people are looking at just because of the ability for him to just do insane things, passing and running. Kyler Murray, too, took a step back this past week, even though he won. But Greer... You know, West Virginia wants some more notability, and, and I think they're going to get it with him. That's a good game, and it's in Lubbock, Texas, um, where Texas Tech resides. So, I don't know. That could be that could be one of those crazy games. Shit, man, maybe in the 60s, too. Yeah, absolutely. So, I would definitely hit the over on that one. I'm not going to pick a winner because I just have no idea. I mean, I, w- I probably West Virginia is going to take that one on the road. Yeah, that's going to be one of those video game games where you're looking at just scoring nonstop. Uh, moving on to the SEC, put Tennessee at Georgia. You know, this is an SEC East game that's on the 330 slate. Um, Tennessee is a team that plays defense. They do not score points. I Georgia's gonna, defense is going to roll that game. They're going to win by 20 points. Do you expect that game to even be 20? Because I'm, I'm looking. I'm like, you know, I usually the SEC does a good job. CBS does picking the marquee SEC game. There must be nothing else on the slate because that's not an attractive game. Well, I mean, Alabama's playing Louisiana Lafayette. That game you'll turn off after the first quarter. You know, especially if you bet on Alabama, you'll just be able to relax. I think this game's a little bit more interesting just because of the history with Tennessee. Um but, yeah, I, I think that game's at least a 20-point spread. Yeah, I agree with you. Because, like you said, Tennessee does play defense, but they're not going to play defense like Georgia. Georgia has one of the best quarterbacks in college football, and they have an offense. That defense is going to be able to hold up against that team either. Yeah, and Kirby Smart's, point win, easy. Kirby Smart's defense should pretty much take over anybody who's playing quarterback for Tennessee. Now we're going to get into some fun games because there are a couple this weekend that look 
just very appealing as far as projecting forward in the landscape of college football. Out-of-conference game, 7-8. Stanford, who we discussed earlier with that great comeback, is traveling to South Bend, Indiana to play the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, 7-8. and eight. I don't know what to make of Notre Dame. I never do. They don't seem to play anybody. That's Brian very Kelly's impressive very to me. Either. But you know what? They've been better. They're always there. Quarterback's been up and down the whole year. Yep, and they're going to get their first big test. Now, they're at home, so they're going to be favored, even though they're eighth in the country and Stanford's seventh. I'm excited about this game. This is a great classic matchup that goes back to the 1920s and and a lot of Rose Bowls. So it's kind of like when Notre Dame plays USC. It never really matters how they both are. It's just the pageantry of it wherever the game is played. Um, But the fact that both teams are in the top 10, just one seating aside from each other is very appealing. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to look for, I'm going to look for uh, Stanford to do something similar to what they did in Oregon and win, but you know, come from behind fashion in a very close game. Okay. Yeah. I think it's going to be probably a four and a half point spread. If I was going to handicap it, Um, I I think Notre Dame is going to take this one at home. I just think there's going to be too much fanfare, too much hype. I think they're going to I think they're going to win the game. I they'll probably win the game by maybe 2, maybe 3. I don't think they're going to cover the spread, but I think they're going to win. Low this scoring game. game. Yep. You're going to be controlled by the by the running games and by the defenses. Both teams like to play that style of football. Um, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Uh, I think your prediction's probably safe there as far as the spread is concerned. Um, game of the year so far in the Big 10. Ohio State travels to Happy Valley to play Penn State. Penn State's ninth in the country. We know Ohio State's four. Uh, Nick Bosa, Joey's brother, is out of this game with a core injury. Uh, he's going to miss a couple weeks. But if Ohio State has depth at any position, which they do, it's a defensive end. Uh, they don't have another Nick Bosa, but they have a lot of explosive athletes. The thing with Penn State is I don't know about their defense. That's a super young defense. A lot of turnover from the last year. But... Franklin's a really good head coach. I don't yes. think he gets the credit that he deserves. Um, that offense can score. Uh, Trace McSorley at quarterback has a young history of scoring at big moments. Remember last year, that crazy game was in Ohio State. It looked like Penn State was going to win that game going away. Ohio State came back. They ended up winning, spoiling it just an absurd, an absurd game from Saquon Barkley. But McSorley played well. He torched that Ohio State defense last year in Columbus. This time it's a night game in Happy Valley. It's going to be a whiteout there. That's a great scene for college football. I'm going to I'm going to root like crazy for Penn State. You know how I feel about Ohio State. Yes. And um, but this is going to be way? yeah, this is going to be a statement game early in the Big 10 and and if things fold, you know, go the way that I think they're kind of looking like this could be the game of the year in the Big 10 cuz or uh Michigan doesn't seem like they're that great. Yeah, it's got all the makings for a classic. I mean, they're probably they're playing this game at night, I'm going to guess. Mhm. And it's going to be on national TV. And it's the I think, ABC game. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be one of those close ones where it comes down to a field goal or something. Actually, I think it's on Fox. But, yeah, either way, it's that primetime night game. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Ohio State's going to take this one with a field goal. Yeah. I just feel it in my gut. God, I hope you're wrong. I hate them. I hope <laughs> I'm wrong, too, but I just feel it. Yeah, um, and Urban Meyer's getting his first test this year, uh, you know. 
we fucking a man. Um, <laughs> going into the <laughs> gonna go on. Um, I love how we're like literally gushing over Tiger, and then we bring up Urban Meyer, who his crimes were, as far as we know, a lot more heinous than Tiger. But I mean, it's just he's just such a piece of shit, and he has been everywhere. I mean, that's the thing though; is it's a team sport. It, t- programs, college programs, continue to give him the lead for their programs into educate and inspire young men tiger's just you know playing golf by himself you know like he doesn't impact i don't condone any of tiger's things off of the course but of course not he's the greatest golf player of all time by most accounts and you know what that's kind of what ohio state thinks about urban meyer he's one of the best head coaches ever and he'll basically have to kill somebody to not get that job uh or keep it but anyway he could get away with killing someone yeah he probably could um (laughs) going on next Number 20, BYU at Washington out west. BYU's already had a huge upset this year. Uh, they're On going the road, in, too. Yes, and they are going into Washington. Huge test for Washington. I think this is what's going to make or break Washington's season right here. If they lose this game, I think the, the wheels come off the car, or whatever you want to say. Train but, comes off the tracks, whatever. <laughs> whatever analogy you want to exactly. throw, yeah. Very well could, man. Very well could. Um, I expect this game to be close. I, I don't think that... It, you know, Washington has done anything this year to show me that they are explosive and they'll win going away. BYU has won that good game on the road they out of conference. As well. Very much so. So that's another game I'll be peeking at during that Ohio State game. It's actually after the Ohio State game, which I'm looking forward to. And then finally, the last game that we're going to preview, Oregon is going out to Cal. I didn't even know Cal was ranked in the top 25. I, I haven't I heard a thing about them this year. Really, the only thing I'm looking for is how does Oregon respond to that tough loss that they had against Stanford. Neither of these teams are going to be involved in the playoff race. They're both rebuilding. Uh, I really don't care about this game. I know we had to mention it because it's two top 25 matchups, surprisingly. But uh, I really don't care about this game. I'm probably not going to watch a single second of it. I'll check the score out, but... Uh, BYU yeah. at Washington more appealing to you? Oh, for sure. Because both those games are going to be head-to-head. I mean, they're going to be at the same time. I think but, BYU yeah. is just a much more fun game to watch, and I think Washington's a lot more of an interesting team than either of the other two. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch a lot more of the BYU game if I do watch any college football, to be honest. Oh, I got to watch. Th- I am absolutely going to be tuned into that Ohio State-Penn State game. Oh, of course. That's my Saturday night plan. Uh, obviously, my life is not super exciting. Um, Great. Good stuff. <laughs> Look behind the curtain at Sean. Um, All right, man. (laughs) So move totally transparent on this podcast. I want our listeners to know us. Let's move along. Let's talk some MLB. Um, Saw some good news today that the Didi Gregorius injury. If those that don't know, he has a small tear of a ligament, maybe in his wrist. Um, It's cartilage. Yeah, like torn cartilage in his wrist. Yeah. Possibly was going to miss the season. Were the predictions yesterday? All the alerts were saying that. Today there was Exhale, a little Yankee bit, fans. Yeah, there was a little bit better news, and you know I think Didi Gregorius is an integral part to this team. Can I think he, he's the second most important everyday player aside on this from team. Judge. Judge, if the yeah. Yankees lose Judge, you see what happens. Can they put Glaber at short, Neil Walker at second, and still win? Yes, but. They're not. They wouldn't. They're, they're not, not replacing twenty-seven home runs and ninety RBIs that Didi's provided while missing stints. Yeah, and basically take away his month of May where he didn't hit. So I mean, he's basically driven in ninety runs and hit twenty-seven home runs without a month of the season, a month and a half, considering that also DL stint he had in August. Thank God, man. Exhale, because when I wrote these notes up this morning and we were going to bring it to the air, I didn't know. I was kind of like. 
fuck, man. We're going to have to have another dark conversation about this. So it looks like light's finally shining. Thank God um, they need him back. If they're going to, because think of, it's not even just the regular production and the stats. The amount of big hits this guy has and the tone setting that he does is just... Even in the playoff game last year, he is so clutch. And then game five against Cleveland with the two home runs off Kluber. I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, clutch is is essentially what he is he's the you know our generation's tino or 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 o'neill something like that so um gonna go on down um red sox clinched the, the yankees did clinch a playoff berth i feel like that's worth noting justice sheffield has come up he's looked pretty good in his few outings and i think he can make an impact in the playoffs do you think he's on the postseason roster um I do. I do think he's on the postseason roster. Not to mention Holder is starting tonight. The Yankees are going with uh, a taking, a page, taking a page out of the Tampa Bay Rays book. Whatever works, man. I don't care. No. I don't care if you do this every single game. I mean, they're not going to do it for a Severino or a Hap start but aside, or a Tanaka. But aside from that, I mean, if this can get you guys a few more wins and pad that, that AL wildcard lead and get you that home, that home field advantage, whatever works. Empty the vault. Exactly. Do not ask questions. I think that's really interesting, but we can go ahead and move on to the Red Sox. They clinched the AL East against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Tough to see, but who really cares? You knew they were going to clinch it at some point. They're just rolling right now. They're definitely going to play probably the Yankees in Boston. Um, knock on wood. I was just going to say, you said that with way too much confidence. I don't know if I love it. You're right, but knock on wood, they're playing the Yankees in Boston. I'm nervous about that series, but the Red Sox have probably two of the top three MVP candidates, excluding Mike Trout in the AL, and I think that Mookie Betts is definitely going to run away with this award. He had his seventh four-hit game of the season yesterday. That's absurd. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's absolutely nuts. The guy's a monster, and he had a down year for his standards last year. He's come back more than strong. I, I, this team is just. I think very, the addition of JD for him too has just been such a beneficial help for him. I mean, the the pressure that's been taken off of him in the lineup, having another MVP candidate like him, and and Bogarts has had a resurgence this year. We we've spoke during all season how good they are. Yeah, they they clinched the East. That was inevitable. They're they're going to start lining themselves up. They want to clinch home field throughout, which I think they're going to do sooner rather than yes. later. They'd like to do it sooner rather than later so they can start lining everybody up and getting guys rest before that they start Absolutely. that first game against either the Yanks or A's at home. The only weakness I see in this team, and I think it'll come out in the playoffs, and you've seen it in a few games lately, even saw it against the Yankees, they do not have a bridge from the starter to Craig Kimball as a closer. Their bullpen is very weak. But aside from that, this team is by far and beyond the best team in baseball, and it doesn't really matter when you're winning by 10 runs who your bridge to Craig Kimbrell is. It really doesn't. Uh, They just bludgeon teams this year. But you know in the playoffs, that doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, they're hoping that that – one weakness of theirs doesn't it doesn't rear its ugly head and and they continue to score runs in bunches like they have all season. All right, so moving on, we'll look at the um cuz we already know the Indians locked it up. We don't have to worry about that. No. And Houston looks to be running away with the West, which we both have been saying that pretty much all year that they were going to come on. But the other team in the West that is still alive and definitely going to pl- clinch a wild card spot is the Oakland Athletics. And this team makes both of us nervous. The Yankees just seem to be treading water, keeping that one. It's I think this is the third week in a row that they've just continued to be 1.5 games ahead of Oakland. And I'm nervous, man. I'm nervous. I think the Yankees are going to be playing at home. The picture's becoming a little bit more clear. But, you know, if the Yankees have a bad stretch of three games against a team, 
it could be it could be over quick. Very much so. Uh, I mean, the only I think the only positive that you can make out of this is the Yankees are basically playing in playoff mode on down the stretch, which I th- always think is good because unless you're just dominant, you like to continue to keep your foot on the gas pedal. You want to make sure these guys are locked in mentally, ready to go, uh, especially kind of a young team. You know, every game's a playoff game. They know the urgency that they have. Uh, for every game, which was what made yesterday's loss to Baltimore really shitty. But we've spoken at nauseum about the amount of games that they should have won that they lost. So we're not going to dive into that. Uh, let's see if they can, you know, continue to keep this lead up. I mean, they're two, they're really two games ahead in the loss column because they own the tiebreaker. Um, it's weird how they do it. So both they're both head to head. They're even. Um, they're both three and three. Uh, and then what they do is they look at interdivision records, and the Yankees against the AL East are better than the A's are against the AL West, and that's how they decide it. So, hey, I don't give a shit how they do yeah, it. Don't they could questions. fucking flip a coin. All I know is that if the Yankees can preserve that two-game lead in the loss, they'll get that game, or even if they if they finish dead even, they'll get that game at Yankee Stadium, which we can discuss next Monday because next Monday we will know where the wild card game is and who is probably pitching that game. So and then next Wednesday is the wild card. The game, next Wednesday correct? is the wild card game. Maybe a Tuesday podcast next week, man, for NFL. We uh, might have to settle in. I, I don't well, know. You definitely won't be paying attention. That's for fucking sure. I'll be what? shooting it over to you what? and you'll just be staring. What? At the screen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So moving on to the NL, the, the Braves clinched the NL East, which we said was almost inevitable. Um, that's a good young team, man. I don't think they're going to make a big run in the playoffs this year, but a lot of fun. Whoever they match up with, nobody wants to play them. No, not at all, because they, they're not going to know any better. They're going to be like the Yankees of last year, where they're just playing with their heads on fire, and they're just they're just a very, very good, young, talented team. Um, and then moving over to the NL Central, the Cubs are up two and a half games on the Brewers. The Brewers look really good, but I think the Cubs are probably going to fend them off. I think they're going to, and you've been saying it, you know, nonstop pounding your fist on the table, saying they're going to win. My Cubbies are going to do it. They're your, you're, they're your boys in the National I League. I own the team. That's you it. own the team. That's it. You, you basically talk like it too. Speaking which about isn't the a bad Brewer, thing. Well, Chris Bryant has come back, and he seems to be hitting a little bit more, which is huge. Javier Baez should be in the MVP conversation. He's probably going to be a top five candidate. Their starters have looked really good. Cole Hamels continues to roll. That bullpen is really strong. They lost Pedro. Um, stroke for the rest of the season. Morrow too. Yeah, I mean, that is what is going to cost them if they don't win a World Series or make it this year is that bullpen. And, yeah, yeah. And you, losing Darvish is obviously tough as well. Yeah, they've been without him all year, though, so I think that they can kind of absorb that blow. We'll see how deep their rotation is come postseason I'm more worried time. about the bullpen for Do sure. Do you see the news on Addison Russell, though? He, he's, a, he's not playing. He was put away by the MLB. Is like, you're not playing because of this domestic violence accusation and, and case now that seems to be well, tr- if there's one thing that the momentum. Cubs have talent at, it is the infield. They have a ton of talent to go around. I think the bulk, I mean, listen, we don't have to talk more. You know how we feel about the domestic violence thing. That's terrible. But that being said, I think that the Cubs have a lot more to fill in in the infield and the outfield than they do pitching-wise. They can slide Javier Baez, a shortstop who, in my opinion, is just as good of a shortstop defensively as as, as Adam, Addison Russell. Maybe a little bit you lose a little bit there because you lose him in second base, but offensively he's head and shoulders above him. And then they can stick a guy like Tommy Lastella or or even Hap 
that they yeah, have. Ian Happ, yeah. Ian Happ is is an, is a very very good young player, and then they'll slide somebody into that outfield spot. So I mean that team is stacked because they'll just put Al Mora in the outfield who can run down anything, and he'll be a good or eight or nine. Hitter, Don't forget about on, Boat too, who's come out of nowhere with some big home runs. That's what I'm saying, man. This team is They're stacked. Deep. I'm more concerned with the bullpen, which is what I think is going to affect them a little bit more. Um, moving on, let's talk you about the Brewers. You hold on to them, though? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to hold on to them until I see them fall apart. Moving on to the Brewers, though, Christian Yelich is making a good case for NL MVP. Second cycle this year, I know analytics guys and whoever don't really care about the cycle, but this guy is tearing the cover off the ball. He plays a great defensive left and or right field wherever you stick him. Really good base runner. He's having an incredible year. Oh no, he getting is getting him and Lorenzo Cain was huge for that team. Yeah, because they were they were the Yankees of the National League last year. You know, they burst upon the scene where nobody was expecting them to, and had a really nice year, but fell a bit short. Uh, they certainly made the moves in the off season, and now during the season, uh, Gio Gonzalez, who you were advocating for, has pitched a couple really nice games for them. Uh, good call on your part there with that with that trade. It looked like he really just need to be get that shot in the arm of a of a pennant chase. Yeah, um, they're a dangerous team. Uh, they're going to secure a wild card spot. It looks like it's going to be the first, but um, yeah, I, I think that. Whoever they end up having to play in that wild card game, which could be another NL Central team in the Cardinals, you know they're going to hope because their starting pitching isn't wonderful. They're going to hope that they can build a bridge with the pen and that Christian Yelich has one of those games where he goes off and, and can carry an offense. Yeah, and then moving on to the most interesting division by far in baseball, it's the NL West. You, so far, you look to be right. I, the Dodgers are starting to pull away. They're up a game and a half on on the yeah. Rockies, and the Rockies have tended to veer off a little bit. So I, I really don't know anymore. I picked the Rockies to win it, but it, it changes by the day. It really does. I mean, that, that was a big series that they played. And, and to finish up, you know, they don't play each other for the rest of the regular season. So those games are going to be have to made have to be made up. Um, I know the Dodgers are playing the Diamondbacks. Uh, who have fallen out? But who have still fallen a good out? Team. But and they would love, love to spoil the Dodgers. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and and then we have the St. Louis Cardinals, who were my second wild card pick, which is looking pretty good because I believe that they have a lead on the on the Colorado Rockies by about a game and a half, and that team has come on really, really strong in the second half. I've I've said this. I've echoed it. You know. Um, their their pickup of Matt Adams was huge. Matt Carpenter has been playing like an MVP candidate. The NL the NL excuse me MVP race is a little bit more interesting than the AL one. Um, and that Carlos Martinez move to the bullpen looks huge as well. No doubt. And, and you know to finish up this week, the Brewers visit the Cardinals for three. So that's a huge series, and that's going to dictate, you know, who are the Brewers going to secure that first wild card spot? Are are the Cardinals going to sneak up and take it from them? Are the Brewers going to have to fend off now the Rockies as well? There's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of battling uh, going on for those wild card spots this week, and the Cardinals are lucky because they get to finish up with three in Detroit, who has mailed it in for quite some time now. So you would like to believe that they'll take at least two of three in the final weekend there. Dude, we have seven days left of the baseball season. Crazy. The second wild card makes it so much fun because pretty much everything will be locked up like a week, a week and a half, two weeks out before that, and it's just so much more interesting now. Just think of that National League. You have the NL West and the NL Central. 
producing three potential playoff teams from each division. I know the Diamondbacks fell off lately, but they were in the race the entire season to go with the Dodgers and the Rockies. Now the Cardinals, who made that managerial switch, as we've spoken to, made the personnel changes with moving Martinez to the pen that you've been you know, a huge advocate of. They, they just do what the Cardinals do, which is never give up, and they, and they make a run to October. I don't know, man. Between the Cubs, Brewers, and Cardinals in the NL Central, and then up until recently, the Dodgers, Diamondbacks, and, and Rockies, I don't think baseball could ask for anything better. The parody is incredible. At Not at all. It's going to be really Especially to make up for the AL, which has basically just been four teams all year. Absolutely. Aside it's from the A's. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And coming up next Monday, we will have who's in. Hopefully the Yankees are at home for that wild card game. It's going to be a crazy last week, but the last thing we're going to talk about is NBA. We we uh, we had that talk last week about Jimmy Butler. Things seem to have heated up. There was a back and forth between the Minnesota Timberwolves organization and Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler said the meeting thing was bullshit or it didn't happen on the day it did. Regardless, I think that them locking in um, Carl Anthony Towns super early to a, a Mega Max contract basically to play the better part of his prime there. Um, and they already have Andrew Wiggins locked up. That's regrettable. Um, <laughs> I, you know, they're they're very hot right now on, on dealing him. And there's a few contenders. The Cavaliers are going hard after him as well as the Miami Heat. Both interesting fits for him. There's a team that I think should go balls out after him. And that is the Toronto Raptors. I think they should trade whatever they can to get him. Having him and Kawhi on a team, having a chance to lock both him and Kawhi up in a week weekend, because the Celtics are pretty good as well as the Sixers, Eastern Conference, a LeBronless Eastern Conference, that would make them probably the perennial favorite to win the Eastern Conference. And if you're competing, well, I don't, perennial if they both stay, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm saying just for the next season, if you can, if Masai Ujiri can figure out a way to get him over up to Toronto. I mean, listen, but supposedly it's a great city to live in. Every player that's played there loves it. And if him and Kawhi can get a chemistry going, because they're two different types of players, but they both are very good defensively and they have really good games offensively. Kawhi Leonard is one of the most efficient players in the game and always makes the right play on offense. Jimmy Butler is a little bit more of a wild card, but he's a type of guy where he can go and get you 12 points in the fourth quarter and bring you back into a game. I think that they would work really well with each other. They both, all they want to do is play basketball and win. And then, you know what? If you're an, if you're an East contender and you say, hey, LeBron's over here. We, we made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. We made it to the Finals this year. Let's re-up for two years. I think that would be a perfect situation for the Toronto Raptors. That was a great suggestion because I hadn't heard of them yet, and I really didn't even think of them as a possibility. Now, it's funny. You ran down a list of possible fits last Monday when With the news the Kawhi broke. trade, you hadn't heard of the Raptors until the deal was already done, though. No, no? absolutely not. So you never you know. You never know, and, and you're right. I mean, the aggressiveness that Uziri can show, you know, he already has by getting Kawhi, taking advantage of him not wanting to be in, in San Antonio. Maybe he can do the same with Butler not wanting to be in Minnesota. That would be something else uh, to to go have that three team battle there in the East without LeBron James there for the first time ever. Um, I remember last week you ran down a list of possible destinations, and then I think it was the next freaking day he comes out and says, "I want the Clippers, the Knicks, or the Nets." Which, hey, as a Nick and Net fan, anybody that wants to come play, and we we spoke about this last time. I know I didn't seem too hot on it. 
I'm still not. I, I just don't know what it's going to do, what it's going to mean, and what they're yeah. going to have to give up. Especially and, because he also said, even though those were his three destinations, he did make a, a case to say that the Clippers were his first. Yeah, and I understood as as a fan's perspective, and I'm echoing that from you. Because you are a rebuilding team, you want to be better when the Celtics franchise starts to go down and the Sixers. Um, but I think you and I can both agree that if you make a good deal, because you know the the Raptors didn't give up an incredible amount to get Kawhi, the Celtics gave up even less to get Kyrie. And if you can work out a deal where you give up a first rounder and one piece of talent and one expiring contract, I think for you and I as fans. We can both, we, I would be ecstatic, and I think you would be ecstatic. It's when you get into the situation, and I don't think we articulated this well enough on the last pod, but it's when you get into the situation where you're offering up two first-round draft picks and, and something that's going to mortgage your yes. future. Yeah, because you could have a great player, but you've now gotten rid of every possibility to continue to grow with that great player. Exactly, but I think you and I can both agree that if you give up one piece, one future player, and an expiring I think we will both be really happy with that. Yeah, and you made a really good point discussing what some of the comparable deals have been, you know, uh, of late to get a guy like Kawhi, um, which, you know, Butler is certainly on that level. If not, he's damn near close. Yeah, he's not nearly, he's not as great as Kawhi, a little bit older than Kawhi. He's been, he's he doesn't played more much. lately, though, yes, which at course. least is something. That's, that's yeah. definitely important is to actually They're not play a playoff basketball. team last year. Minnesota is without him. Oh, no, he dragged that team to the playoffs. And I think he was, that's the reason why he wants to leave is he was just upset because that team was a top five in the West talent wise team with Carl Anthony Towns. He just didn't think that they were really working to their, no, and you got to remember that what he came up with was Chicago with Noah, who I know you just roll your eyes at now, but, he but what he was at that time, Chicago, Nate Robinson, MVP. they only won Derek Rose, Derek Rose. They only won because they were fucking junkyard dogs, man. They battled. They were gritty. They won purely on guts and guile. And yeah, they had talent and they had guys, but remember, Butler was hurt a lot of that well, time. Yeah. So and was if, Noah, and they battled through it. And, and, and he knows at, what it takes to win and big games based just purely on effort. And he doesn't like to see two guys who are young, who should be not great. Not to mention Jeff Teague, right? Who who are who have the ability to make them a top contender in the West. You know, he, he can't stand that. And if he can make his own team or go join a Kawhi Leonard, Jesus Christ, that's something he's much more Absolutely. apt to do. And looking at it from Jimmy Butler's point of view, I, I couldn't agree with him more for not wanting to be in that situation because going into last year, he was probably excited because it's like, all right, I, I have a lot of talent around me, probably more talent than even on those Chicago Bulls because Derrick Rose had had multiple knee injuries. Um you know, Joakim Noah is, although he was a great defensive player and a very efficient offensive player, believe it or not, he is no Carl Anthony Towns, who's probably the best big man in basketball. Can get you 20 and 10, pull up from three, put the ball on the deck and go to the bat. He can do everything. He's yeah. whatever you want to call him. Of Unicorn, course. whatever. He he comes into the situation where he's like, all right, we got Tibbs. We're going to grind and we're going to win, you know, 55 games. We're going to be a five seed. We're going to make a lot of noise in the playoffs this year. And then you become an eight seed to where you it comes down to the last game against the Denver Nuggets and you have to have and you have to put it all on yourself to even drag this team into the playoffs. I don't think he was too happy and I don't think he saw the fight in any of the Ted Jeff Teague, 
especially Andrew Wiggins. Well, Jeff who, Teague epitomizes average. I mean, he was how many years was he on those Atlanta teams yep. that were just you know they coasted through the regular season and, and the didn't talent do dick for in Jeff the playoffs. Teague, you know, and I'm not going to make this a let's talk about the entire Timberwolves podcast as we're 53 minutes in. But even Jeff Teague has made an all-star team before. Andrew Wiggins, they signed to a mega deal, was the number one overall pick. The only guy on that team that's really lived up to his potential is Carl Anthony Towns. And he doesn't have enough dog in him right now. And he's not playing hard enough in the fourth quarter. I mean, listen, do I think that the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to regret giving Carl Anthony Towns that mega deal? No, they already lost a Hall of Fame top 25 player in Kevin Garnett a few years back because they didn't want to sign him. I think that Carl Anthony Towns is going to be one of the best power forwards of all time when it's all said and done, but they definitely regret that Andrew Wiggins deal. Oh, my God, yeah, and, and Jesus, dude, talk about wanting somebody to be great better than they're wanting to be great. Remember you mentioned that you had that great line about Josh Gordon last week. I think that's becoming very much the case with uh, with Wiggins. I mean, obviously, he doesn't have the off-the-court or field issues that Gordon has, but he just seems so passive. It seems like it doesn't matter to him. And he's and, good for a poster you know, dunk every once in a while. That's Jimmy it. Butler was not a very coveted guy coming out of the draft. I remember him because when he played at Marquette, that was when UConn and them were still in the Big East. And he just torched a lot of great UConn teams in yeah. addition to other guys. He was the and last he, pick in the first round. And he continued to show that pedigree. And yeah, does he have the talent? Of course, but he made himself better. And because of his attitude, he made himself into a top 15 player in the league. And because of that, you know, it's got to tear him up to see guys that definitely have the ability just not want it. Absolutely. And I, I, I haven't heard anything from the Brooklyn Nets nor the LA Clippers, but the Knicks general manager, Steve Mills, put out a press release. And I don't know if Fizdale said anything to it. But they said something along the lines of, we're not going to trade young talent and we're not going to trade future picks for anyone at this moment. And you know what? I wasn't mad about it at all. Do I want Jimmy Butler on my team and would I be happy with it? Yes. But Jimmy Butler on the New York Knicks, as currently constituted, is not going to win a championship. It just reeks of old Knicks moves. Absolutely. And I think Jimmy, I'm not going to call Jimmy Butler Stevie Francis. I'm not going to call him Stephon Marbury. I'm not even going to call him Mello because I think he's got more fight than Mello. I think the deal wouldn't be as atrocious talk about Masai Ujiri again <laughs> he robbed the Knicks twice already that motherfucker um but I don't think the deal would be as bad and if it happened I would come on this podcast Tom's got nightmares and, from <laughs> uh, yes I do I, I would come on this wakes podcast up in cold and, sweats at yes night. I, I, I would come up on this podcast and I would tell you I'm excited about it but I'm happy with the comment because the Knicks aren't going to win the Eastern Conference and go to the finals for the next five years no. and Jimmy Butler has a good career for maybe the next five years so right if you want to hold on to those young assets, I mean, even if you don't make the right decisions with them, at least you have them right now and you have a ton of potential between Knox and Nilakina. Porzingis said he might not play this year. I think that's bullshit. I think he comes back around February. I think he's going to be back to full form. These ACL injuries are not nearly as costly as they have been in the past. Um, and I just really want to see the Knicks rebuild. So I think from that perspective, I completely stand in line with the Knicks press release. James Dolan clearly had nothing to do with it because if it was up to James <laughs> Dolan, he would already have Jimmy Butler in a Knicks uniform. They would have done a beautiful press conference. We would have been all hyped for the season. And then they would have won 38 games and, you know, maybe 42. So you're saying you've seen this story before. I've seen it far too many times <laughs> and – I, I I completely I'm in lockstep with the Knicks. Yeah, just you don't want to give up your assets. If it's if they make a trade and like I said earlier, just to echo it, if they make a trade and it's one pick, Nilakina and 
you know, throwing Courtney, Courtney Lee as an expiring contract, I'll come on here and I'll say I'm happy. I think that's good. I think if they make a few more moves, if they think they can get Kyrie or Durant next year, amazing. But if if the Knicks think, you know, the market is two first-round draft picks, Nilakina, and you got to give up another small asset, Mitchell Robinson, who I'm, I love him, or or anybody else. Love him. Love him. He's huge. He's gonna be. He's gonna be great. He's gonna be like Clint Capella this year. Uh, that's too much for me, and All I right. won't be happy. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, last week you were you were saying sit up in your seat, Sean. I'm gonna tell you the Nets, and you know I, I've kind of got freaking. You know, I'm the same way. I I don't want them to give up. I've had to suffer through a couple really bad seasons as they develop good young talent with trying to establish a culture of Kenny Atkinson and Sean Marks, which I believe they've done. The Nets didn't do a press press release, but they had their preseason press conference and they were discussing, you know, the state of the organization and the team going forward. They didn't mention anything about possible trades. They didn't shut the door on it. I think for them is they've shown that they want to make savvy, sound basketball moves. And to your point exactly from what you want to see from your boys in, in white and blue is it, if, if the Knicks make the moves for Butler or anybody of that ilk that doesn't involve mortgaging the entire future of the franchise like they've done on several occasions, as have my Nets, obviously, to a worse degree, believe it or not, than the Knicks have. You want to talk about Uziri we giving you not. cold sweats. <laughs> I, I, I can't go to sleep some nights thinking about that Celtic trade and the Joe Johnson trade and whatever. Jesus, dude. Um, Every time. But, yeah, I mean, the same with the Nets. I love a Chris LeVert. If it took him and a maybe a pick, I would do it and maybe an expiring contract like Demar- a, like a Damari Carroll, who I do really like. But I would only want it if I knew that Butler was – sold on staying in Brooklyn you could build around him you still have you know they're gonna sign how I think they're gonna sign Russell to a long-term deal they're not doing it yet I think they want to put the pressure on him you know he played really well last year but he was hurt a lot of the season so they didn't really get to see something that validates giving him a huge deal out of the gate but I think him with Jimmy Butler would be an awesome tandem especially if Butler can recruit another guy you got a Hollis Jefferson you, you know, you got an Allen Crab, you got a Joe Harris, you've got a Jared Allen that's developing. I mean, they have a nice young team. I like Levert. I think he could be better. Um, but once again, I, I don't, don't do anything crazy. If he wants to be with you, great. If he doesn't, you know, don't do anything nuts. Let him go to the Clippers, let him go to wherever, or let a team overpay for him that's not you for once. So, all right, Tom, gun to your head. The owner said he wants him dealt by Tuesday. It's 8.45 here on Monday night. Don't worry, it's the 24th. I got the date right this time. What a way to lead off the pod, by the way. God damn it. Um, Does he get traded or no? To anyone? Yeah. Absolutely. He's not going to be on the Minnesota Timberwolves this year. Jimmy Butler doesn't want to be there. Where does he go? Um, Come on, GM, Tom, go. I think he goes to the Miami Heat. Really? Him and D-Wade are boys. He would be ecstatic if he could get Jimmy Butler down there. I think he goes to Miami Heat. Pat Riley pulls off something else. If your proclamation is correct, would you be surprised to hear a story like mid-season from Bleach Report SI, whatever, that Dwayne Wade spoke to Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler said, I want to be traded. And he said, yeah, I would, st- I would go to the Heat. And Wade said, all right, I'll come back and I'll wait on you. No, I'd be this more surprised. Like- <laughs> I'd be more surprised if that report didn't come out because with Pat Riley working go- the phones till 
God knows when in the Going morning. Going back to LeBron James uh, in 2010, they have been talking like this, and I guess you would call it tampering or whatever, all the time. Kyrie Irving said it on a Bill Simmons podcast earlier. This shit goes on at the All-Star break. Oh, I want to play with you. Oh, yeah, whatever. These guys hang out. They train together. You know, whatever. They're always talking. So, no, I would not be surprised. And I think he goes to the Heat. I think you're going to see a Bleacher Report thing, and some people are going to be shocked, but I'm not, that the Heat go out and get Jimmy Butler for, I don't know, Goran Dragic and, you know, or, or Dion Waiters. Now, that's a pick. team, even though that's not on his list of three, that's a team that could sign him. Yeah, I, I mean, I just say Pat Riley. He'll throw his rings down on the table like he did to LeBron, and he's got two more since then. So it's aside from all that, would you not? I wouldn't mind living in Miami eight months out of the year. Well, that's what's always weird. It's like, you know, some of these guys give destinations, and I understand it usually has to do with okay, you're forecasting the league. Who's good now, but who also might be good in two years with your presence and your ability to look at the possible cap space and say, okay, I could recruit somebody else. But yeah, I mean the fucking Heat, like they should be the number one destination almost all the time. They've got the yeah. pedigree and they've I mean, got the, the location. Yeah. yeah, I mean besides the besides, you, I mean not to mention you have the, I mean the Heat should be all around because you have the no state income tax, which saves you what twelve fifteen percent of your salary or whatever it may be. That's why the Rockets crazy all like these guys, that. Yeah, which you know that'll that'll save you a lot of money in the end. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you see within the next couple days. We're talking about it. We're tweeting about it. That he's going to the Heat. Cool, man. Well, next Monday, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be heavy on baseball, That's um, for sure. because we're gonna be previewing. I think what we got to do is we got to preview obviously the wild card games. We'll know the matchup, but then go forward throughout the postseason. Absolutely, we'll talk about some awards. Yeah, we as got well. NFL Wednesday. Be ready to go for that. Um, everybody listening. Um, we're going to have a lot of reaction to week three. What a freaking crazy week this was. Can't wait yeah. to get into that. Um, Paid my bookie a lot of money this week. It was not good. Yeah, I think you and everybody else, man. Don't worry. Good. I was in two survivors. Paid 25 for another one just to lose the next week. So that was a lot of fun. Matt Patricia, man. Jesus Christ. He's, he, you know, he's he's getting at you. He, he's heard what you've said. Fuck him. Okay? <laughs> right. Now, another thing, too, is we got to get into doing some NBA preview soon. So... Um, we're going to get into that. So listeners, yeah, be we'll ready. Yeah, we'll have an NBA preview pod coming up. but um, Only a month away, dude. Not even. Can, cannot wait for the NBA season to start. Jimmy Butler is going to be on a new team. There's been a ton of movement this year. And the Knicks have a good young team. The Knicks and the Jets, baby. Good young team. All right, so be ready to hear Tom in the coming weeks talk about his, you know, GM Tom, to be ready to talk about his NBA and, and anything with his Knicks. Uh, NFL Wednesday. Can't wait to talk then. Let's close it out. Tom, have a great night, man.